Hey, hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the show. It is episode 343, and it's November 1st, 2022. I'm joined once again by Kyle Klingman up in Cedar something, Iowa. Kyle, how the heck are you? How could I not be doing great with our guest today? Bill Zaddix, a stud. Love this guy. Super excited to dive in with a, a great person in the sport. Absolutely. Let's let's waste no time. Let's bring him on. Head coach, Team USA, the reigning, defending Team World Champions. Bill, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get this business out of the way. Did you trick or treat last night? And if so, did you dress up? I, I did trick or treat and I did dress up. Yep. Well, where are you? Uh, so I have, t- I have two kids now. My wife and I, Samantha and I have uh, two children. Carmi is three and our son Gus is nine months. So we went as the Flintstones. Ah, Fred, I'm assuming. Thing. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun. That's fantastic. Fun. There's a thing in Colorado Springs, Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, and they, they do a thing uh, called Boo at the Zoo. So uh, you walk around, they have tables set up for the kids to go up and trick-or-treat at the tables, and then you go into all the exhibits, and, you know, the little kids love it. I actually like it. <laughs> I, it's a really cool zoo. So it was fun. Sweet. Um, our last order of business here. What's your number one favorite candy if, if you were trick-or-treating? What, what would you want to get? Uh, Probably Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Yeah, we got a lot of whoppers last night, and I was feeling a little bit. I'm like, come on, man! I could buy my own crackers. Like, we need like, <laughs> let's get the good stuff over here. I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I'm a Twix guy. Kyle knows that. Kyle, what's your what's your uh, candy of choice? Reese's Pieces, probably. I'd say Reese's that's my number Pieces. one. Yeah, I love yeah. those. Right. Yeah, it's it's actually really close for me because those little the little Snicker bars are pretty high on the list too. Um, that's more of a nostalgic thing. When, when I was a kid, we'd always have them in our backpacks and stuff like that. But yeah, Reese's peanut butter cups, pretty good. Pretty hard to beat. I agree. Um, all right, enough Halloween. Let's talk some wrestling. Obviously world championships just happened. Um, maybe a month ago, uh, out in Belgrade, Serbia, we, we won twice now in in your tenure. Uh, we've won team titles. It's been fantastic. Um, as far as the, the, the acclimation, do you guys still go to Germany and do acclimation camp in, at, at Rams, Ramstein, Ramstein era? Uh, we did we did do acclimation in, in Germany this year, yes. Um, is that just kind of yeah, like – go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's a great place. It's a good – I mean, Germany is a great country, you know, westernized, modern, clean. People are friendly. It's easy to – you know, mainly – it it hits our markers from a physiological perspective um, as far as, you know, many of the world championships in the last uh, quad or quad and a half um, have been in, in middle Europe. And so it's, it's a really easy launch pad from Germany to get to anywhere else. Um, so, so yeah, it's been good for us. Wait, um, I want to, I want to talk about a, you know, a handful of the weight classes. Uh, we'll start with Yanni at, at 65 kilos. And I know, Probably us and media and wrestling fans more than you think about it. But this streak, right, it dated back to your 2006 uh, gold medal. We hadn't had one at that weight in what were we looking at, 15 years or something like that almost. Um, yeah. And Yanni's back on, I believe, his, his second team. 
What were your thoughts on Yanni coming in? Because I talked to him um, a, a couple weeks back, and he, you know, he said, "Yeah, I had I, back in twenty, uh, I think it was nineteen, when he he won the U.S. Open and he beat like three studs in a row, and it looked like, oh my gosh, this might be his weight." But he said, I forget exactly how he put it, but he's like, "I was having some success, but almost tricking myself because I was I was beating." some good guys, but I couldn't do it consistently and I couldn't do it at the Worlds consistently, but I, I've grown so much that I'm I'm much better now even though uh, he had all those big wins back then and he's found this more more consistent. Um, I guess, what what are your thoughts on, on Yanni and how much he's changed over the last couple of years and improved and, and in what ways? Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's kind of a deal where, I mean, at this level, at the senior level, you're splitting hairs, right? The difference between, I mean, you know, I've said this um, on other interviews and, and other times is uh, when you get to a world championships or Olympic games, every guy in the bracket is the national champ from their country, right? So the, you're not trying to grow, you know, you're not trying to make up this much difference, you're trying to make up this much difference, right? And and there's probably five, six, seven guys that are that are really capable of winning that world championship, and maybe more. And so it's you're really splitting hairs, and so the differences can be very subtle. It's a very small refinement at times, and a lot of that is mental or emotional. And in you know, of course, there's tactical and technical things too, but. I think that's really um in large part what Yoni's where he's grown. Um and, and it's a it's a very deep weight all across the world. It's a very deep weight in the United States. It's because it's kind of in the middle where you know the average body type is um it's always going to be that way. And uh so I think he's grown a lot in just his maturity and his perspective and how he goes out and competes and in uh We've had some conversations and, and it's the conversation we have with everybody that's we believe in that makes our team. We believe in everyone. And and it's a deal where if you make our team, there's there's a high level of expectation um, for you to be a medal contender and to be a, a gold medalist. And so getting yourself from being this really good, exceptional guy, athlete, um, so that you can kind of the the phraseology that we've talked about is going from being able to beat anyone at any time to going uh, to a place where you can beat everyone every time, you know, and, and that's, um, it's a lot of things. It's a combination of things and, and, and everybody's formula is a little bit different, but that's where uh, he's trying to get to. And I think he made some, some big steps this year and we're super proud of him. Um, or winning a medal and, and putting himself in that position and helping the team the way he did. But we also know that he's got a lot uh, loftier goals in, in his mind and, and we have for him too. And so, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great kid. Obviously super fun to work with. And, you know, I think that's kind of where he's growing the most. Given what you just said that, you know, you're not trying to, to make up this, this much, you're, you're trying to improve that really small amount because it is so, so competitive. Like, 
Do you have to wait for the tournament to be over to to understand, like, okay, Yanni has grown? Do you have to wait to see these results and see him progress? Or or did you feel like, – I'm sure you always have confidence in these guys, right? But do yeah. you know from the onset, like, okay, he maybe he's closed uh, that gap? No, I, to- I think you see those things and sense those things. But, but, I mean, the reality is you never know until the tournament's over because – you know, that's why we wrestle a tournament. Otherwise, we just phone the results in. Well, this guy's practicing. He's he's practicing really well, right? Or he beat this guy at this tournament by eight points, and that guy only beat him by four points. Well, you can never really apply the transitive property in, in our world, right? In combatives, um, you, you, can't, you can't apply the transitive property in wrestling because there's differences in, in styles and body types and, you know, statures and whatever it may be and so um but yeah i think i think you have a sense of that i think we had a sense of it all summer um watching him compete at the trials and and seeing him compete throughout the the summer cycle the world championship cycle i I think we had a pretty good idea and maybe maybe you have to wait for the tournament to play out but let's just go match one right he wrestles tavanya and he lost last year um he beat him about to four oh or five oh Maybe maybe more, but uh, he he kind of handled it and maybe made those adjustments he he couldn't make last year. Did that at least tell you something after match one? Like, okay, now this kid, he's he's found yeah. another year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw that. It, you know, you have confidence because you see him every day in the practice room and you see him making those adjustments in the room. And the more consistent those adjustments make or are being made, um, the more confidence we have, right? And it's still no guarantee, right? You still have to go and do it on the day. And, and you got, you know, you got a six minute window in order um, for that to happen. You got to do it, you know, four and five times in a row. So, yeah. Um, but each little, each little notch in that belt um, gives you more confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Burroughs, one number seven. You know, he, he's yeah. he's been talking about this since. 2011 really you know he's he's not been quiet but hey i want to be the best i want to have the most medals i want to be the most highly decorated is that anything he's ever discussed with you whether in depth or just uh casually no No, we don't we don't um I, i know these guys have goals for themselves my goal for them is to be the for them to be the best that they can be and ultimately be the best in the world at a given moment and, and, uh, those two things are, those are, those are big challenges. And so all, all the other things I try not to focus too much on because I think it invites, you know, negative pressures and other things. I mean, we, we address them as they need to be addressed. Um, but you know, stuff like that, you know, goat conversations, greatest of all times. I mean, he certainly has the most gold medals now of any American. And that's a cool thing. I, you know, I remember early on as a as an assistant at, on staff at, at USA Wrestling, and when I was the developmental coach, you know, forming a developmental philosophy. You know, and I'm looking at the Russian team, and you know, I'm thinking back to like 2010 when we kind of had a really low um, performance. We had no medals that year, and Russia, on the other hand, they got they have two and three guys on the team that have multiple golds not multiple medals, multiple golds. And I'm like, well, what's, what's the difference? Why can't we do that? We can do that. We have just as good of athletes. We have smart people. We have great wrestling minds. And, uh, and so, 
you know, that kind of shaped my philosophy a little bit in on the developmental side of things. And in in Jordan, um, you know, he came around a year later and was a real spark plug for our team and has continued to be and and he's put himself in in a on a course of success and um that's been unparalleled and it's it's remarkable it's super exciting um it's fun to be a part of but you know um i i think you my my philosophy about stuff like that is uh no, nobody made john smith i mean Lots of people made him. Thousands of people made him, right? Thousands of people made Jordan Burroughs. Thousands of people made me. But the the individual has to make that decision, right? Jordan made that choice. He's like, I, you know, there's a there's a lot of hard things to go through for him to get to that pinnacle. And uh, lots of people have poured into him. Coach Manning, all of his training partners, you know, my colleague James Green. Uh, now coach slay um you know coach burnett a, a tons of people have, have poured into jordan but jordan had made those choices each time there was a decision to be made he made it in in a forward move you know in a forward direction where he wanted to go and so yeah he he's he's remarkable he's a remarkable individual remarkable competitor and and there's so many storylines within that, you know, and it's not really my story to share, but I'll kind of tease up some stuff. And and this goes for all of our athletes on this team and the last couple of years. There is so much going on behind the scenes that people don't know that it would actually it would blow people's minds if they knew which what was actually going on behind the scenes and them accomplishing what they're accomplishing. It's it's absolutely remarkable. Are you talking about things specifically at the tournament or things going on in their lives outside of the tournament or I'm talking about all of it. I'm I'm like I said I'm not it's not my story to share. I'm I'm going to tease it up and and you guys you can <laughs> you can dig on it. You can dig into it and maybe you know that's that's for them to share um their personal stories but it's um I'll tell you this what what Joe Russell and Kevin Jackson and now James Green, what we get to see in the room when these guys are competing, um, I mean, you think watching the world championships is fun. You, you should see what I see. You should see what I see. It's, it's uh, yeah, these guys are, they're, they're exceptional. I, I've seen it not as much as you. I have got to see it and, and it's awesome to, to, to see your guys' practices for sure. Um, and pr- Probably not what you're talking about, but one uh, Zane Zane was on here uh, last week or two ago as well. He talked yeah. about um, like when you're in the tunnel getting ready to go out, and there was these guys like pulling their singlets up and yanking on their shorts, making sure they yeah. weren't too long. And and I think he actually had to drop, you know, take his take his under yeah, the drawers very, off. Of- very a very weird, um, very weird situation. You know, new new interpretation about your undergarments, about not wearing um not wearing spandex like two layers where you know the singlet slides over the biker shorts type spandex thing to create an unfair advantage. I just think um yeah, it, it got to be a little bit weird at the world championships and and um uh, and of course I'm biased, right? I'm, I'm, I'm all about protecting and preserving 
my athletes competitive advantage. So I was a uh, uh, coach Cody uh, uh, went out with Casey or went out with uh, went out with Zane and then coach Joe went with him. And so I didn't, I didn't go with Zane on the mat. Um, I was coming up behind with, with Jordan and we had a similar thing with Jordan too. And, and I just, I get queued up about what's going on with Zane when I'm in the warm-up area with Jordan and I'm like getting enraged. So then when it happened to Jordan, I was, I was irritated, you know, I was pretty sensitive, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think what happened to Jordan was as bad as what happened to Zane, but yeah, I mean, I think he took his, you know, rather than deal with the hassle, you know, he's got some paid, you know, guy off the street debating whether those are underwear or they're biker shorts. And I'm like, you know, not, not a good thing for, you know, our sport really, I think to be debating on what people's undergarments are, unless it's, unless it's explicitly outlined in the rules, which there, there is no outline of that. So So weird deal. So you, you, you didn't get to see that, that with Zane, but he had to take him off, but you, you like put your foot down with Jordan. You just said, no way. No, I, well, we knew what was going on, right? But because it, it was happening the whole tournament, but usually they're like, they just wanted to make sure it wasn't hanging down below your singlet, right? Uh-huh. So the guy had lit his, you know, lit the sleeve of his leg and that was it. Well, you know, in Zane's final match, they used it to, you know, and, and like I said, I'm I'm biased. So I'm thinking were we being too successful? USA was having too much success and they were using it against us to, you know, disrupt this guy's psyche before he goes out on the mat because it was, it was, it was silly. It was egregious. You know, like who does that? Yeah. Who does that? Right? Are we going to be the sport that's checking people's undergarments? <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's a good look. Definitely not. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is, you're obviously you're you're the, the head coach of the team and then there's obviously um these individual coaches right and so yeah and i i don't think that this takes place at the world but i would assume and a lot of them you have relationships with and then a lot of the same guys year over year but do you have discussions or even when maybe when they first make the team on or national team on and hey what's the dynamic and how do we work best together and maybe that's something that's you know going back to your first year has that that changed at all yeah, we talk about it, you know, when somebody makes the team, we start that conversation early on, like, um, who's your personal coach? Who do you want in your corners? And we we build rapport and relationship throughout the summer and try to add consistency just so that we're um, communicating the best we can and giving the athlete, you know, I mean, it's not that big of a deal because ultimately it's the, it's the athlete out on the mat and they're making the decisions and they're um, they're, they're prepared. These guys are prepared and they're pros, but, but it's a small thing that we, we pay a little bit of attention to, to, you know, make sure that we're managing the mat, you know, externally the best we can. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to talk about David Taylor. You know, yeah. I think he wins at first three times against Yazdani, wins the Olympic gold, and then and then two months later drops drops the one in at the in Oslo. Yeah. Man, he looked like he was amazing. I think he scored forty points and gave up one maybe. Did did you notice anything different about him this time, or was it just David as usual and 
he just well, I, I think it was David as usual. I think you know he made some adjustments. Clearly, he made some really positive adjustments, and and uh, and most of that was his own strategy. Um, you know, he did a really good job, and and I think you know in in Oslo. It, you know, I know he was upset and uh, really hard position, I think. You know, when you look back to Oslo, um, there were six Olympic champions that competed in Oslo and only two of them won. Uh, I think one, one of the one of the women and, and then Sajalayev. And uh, so it's it's a really tough, you know, position to be in, I think, you, you know, in the frequency of the the Olympic games to the world championships being two months apart. I mean, do you maintain this, this emotional peak and, and ride the tidal wave or do you allow yourself to come down and then, and then rent back up? And, uh, you know, I just think there's a lot to it. You know, this, this, um, pinnacle of our sport, this emotional, um, swell that, you know, that, that you, you get to, and then you hardly get to enjoy it. And so I think it actually, um, well, statistically it bears it out, right? Statistically the underdog was the, was the favorite in Oslo. And so, and, and David, um, I mean, honestly, he's one scenario, right? He has a leg in the air and he kind of went for a four pointer instead of just taking the two pointer and putting himself on top and the opportunity to turn. I think that changes that, that Oslo final match too, but, so he made his adjustments and uh and you know really trained with with uh something in mind and in wrestled how he wanted to wrestle. I think he was a little disappointed in wrestling in Oslo. Um not that he did a bad job, but obviously disappointed in the result, but I think he felt like he didn't do what he wanted to. And I think he set his mind to just wrestling how he wanted to this year, no matter who his opponent was. And uh, he obviously did a great job and, and uh, it was super exciting match, super exciting match. I mean, man, he just, you know, two great competitors, right? It's maybe the marquee matchup in, you know, in the world right now. And uh, everybody that, knows anything about anything about our sport that's one of the big matchups that they want to see right and so uh that's always going to be a barn burner it's always going to be um you know an all-in type bout in uh super happy for david and he did he did he did a great job did a really good job yeah i would call it the biggest rivalry um and probably the going on the world right now especially considering the russians weren't there and and that's the next thing i want to talk about is russia is not there right they're they're very very good is this yeah. something you guys uh talked about because if you probably i mean everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall and and there was i think um uh, you know it seemed like they weren't coming but you know we talked to gilman beforehand and he he didn't say that maybe he thought they were coming but he basically said he's like imagining they are or prepared for that could happen at the last second because he wants to prepare for the best and i'm just curious if you guys yeah. addressed it at all yeah, we didn't um we didn't focus on it a, a ton, but we we do talk about, you know, being prepared for anything, right? Being prepared for any change, right? I mean, you know, college guys going out on the mat in the NCAA finals and you you can't find your headgear, you know? You got to be ready for that. Like, 
you know, you can't let things like that fluster you, and especially things that are out of your control. And in the situation with the Russians and Belarusians being allowed to compete or not allowed to compete, that is not within our control. So um, we we talked about it a little bit from that standpoint, and that was about it. Just be prepared. Um, you know, each of these guys knows what they needed to do to be the best in the world, and and we try to keep focused on those those details and 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 then just be open minded um, to the rest of everything. Sure. We had I think eight in the finals. We've talked about a handful of guys who have done awesome. We haven't even talked about. Dake and Snyder yet. They both got their fourth gold, and this is like the third or fourth thing we're talking about. Now, and you talk about 2010, right? We didn't we didn't have any yeah. medals, and, and that really 11, I think, Varner, just Varner and Jordan, and nine wasn't Varner great. And Jordan, man, two medals. Varner was uh, bronze and, and Jordan gold, obviously. Yeah. Um, and we've just, like how far we've come since then, right? And people call this the golden era of wrestling. I think we had six guys on the team that had – one at least one gold medal, a bunch. You know, I don't even know how many there are total. Yeah. You know, when when when, I guess we'll just go back to 2010. From from your point of view, I'm not sure if you were a developmental coach in, at that point or not. But I, I wasn't. I started right after that. I okay. switched. I was an assistant national coach. Um, at the world championships, and when I came home, I assumed uh, the developmental role after that. If if somebody would have pulled you aside in 2010 or, or even – yeah, we'll go before, before 2011, before Jordan burst on the scene, and said, hey, in, in 2022, you know, we're going to win a team title in, in 17 and then again in 22, and we're going to have six guys on the team that have goals. If if we told you all these accomplishments back in 2010, would that have seemed realistic that it could happen? I mean, I guess 12 years is longer than yeah, – 12 years has been yeah, a long time. But I mean – Still, it's remarkable. I guess, I guess, yeah, it did seem – possible um i mean that's what gave us the belief right is is i know this thing is possible right i know it's possible it's just how you know how do we get there how do we get from where we are to where we know we can be in in and we're in a unique period of history right we we have you know we're, we're in a situation where we have five six seven you know eight we have a whole we have a whole roster we have 10 generational athletes on our team right and and maybe that that only comes around every you know 25 or whatever years you know i was talking on another interview that uh you know these this team gets compared to like the teams of the 70s 72 76 gets compared to the teams of the 90s you know late 80s early 90s and and it, and history will determine you know whether this group measures up to those others. But when you just talk about it in those terms and look at it from a timeline standpoint, it's kind of about every 20 to 25 years, right? Yeah. You have the 70s teams, you have the late 80s, early 90s teams, and, the, and then now. And so, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there is something to that. I don't I don't know. But, um, yeah, I do. Th- you know, obviously, we thought it was possible, and it's uh, just remarkable that it's that it's happening now. And there's a lot of – a lot of things that, that, you know, come into play, but yeah, it's pretty, it's just, it's fun to knowing how hard these guys work, how much they've dedicated themselves, their families, their training partners, their RTCs, all of their coaches 
from the time they were little kids, you know, a, a, a youth level coach that sets a kid on a right path, that kid leaves his stable and goes on to a, a college program or something like that. That work isn't done. Um, you know, it's not like that gets left behind. They, that athlete carries that with them. And and now we're, you know, seeing the the fruit of that work bearing out for these athletes. And and that's a really rewarding thing. It's it's really exciting to have a team that has several guys who are marked multiple medalists and multiple gold medalists. Yeah. Uh back back I get to Zane for a second. Zane came on and man, he talked you know, we we were going back and talking about years past and making teams and falling short and not, you know, his Olympic trials performance. And he, he was really honest and open and, and just talked about, you know, doubt creeping in and, and mental struggles, you know? Um, and it's, it's crazy, you know, from my point of view, you hear a guy like Zane, you're like, this guy won two Hodges. He like, went three years undefeated in college. And then world champ. Yeah. Just all it's like, it, it's like, it has to deal with everybody. He's like, everybody doubt creeps in and that's okay. And he's telling us about these books he's reading and, and the anyways, he's handled it. Um, I mean, is, is that an, is that a conversation that you have with athletes very often or, or more than you think, or, or um, not that much? Yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's probably a little bit of both. You don't have it that often, but it it might be more than people think, you know, I think from the outside, people think, well, you know, guys like that, that have accomplished so much, they're, they're, they're like invincible mentally, right. Their confidence is like, but that's, you know, it's, it's a human characteristic. We all have doubt. We all have questions about what we want to accomplish and, and whether it will be realized or not. So, so yeah, it's. Um, I think. I think it's one of the most important things that we deal with as coaches. You know, the techniques and all that stuff. It's it's important too, but it's it's more nuts and bolts. This is like you know these other things. Um, are really the separators. Yeah, that seems like it. And like I said, it was it was awesome to hear him kind of dive deep in into that side yeah, of the sport. Um, um, I'm really happy for Zane that he he won a medal. I mean, I know he wants more for himself too, but I'm very happy because uh, I know as time goes on, he'll see more value in that accomplishment, and and he still has a lot of road to to travel if he wants to, you know. And so I think he's got bigger and brighter things in his future. And uh, but we've believed in him from uh, the time he made the team. And, and now, you know, I think he's proven to himself. Yeah. I I know, I know what it takes. I've, I've been doing the right things. And sometimes when you're doing the right things and not getting the result that you want, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle in perseverance to just stay the course and not totally overhaul everything you're doing. Um, It just, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta be mentally rigid. Yeah. These guys are. Uh, yeah, he's done a great job. For sure. Uh, Jaden Cox is at 92. He took, I mean, another silver, which is great. Um, he has said, or I mean, I believe he said he wants to go up next year, right, and try to face yeah. Kyle and, and be there. Is that, 
Is that, you know, something you want, you care, you, you want him to be at 92, you just like, hey, man, do whatever you want and, and do what you got to do. Clearly, the team's going to be better off as, if he's at 92, but I do see the, hey, I want to get my body ready to go for 97 for, for the Olympic year. Yeah, yeah, we, we basically have the exact conversation you just outlined. I mean, you know, of course, we have a really good team when he's at 92. And, uh, but it's it's ultimately, it's up to him. It's his decision. You know, I, I laid it out and, you know, I'd love to see you there because I think our team's the strongest in this situation, but, but you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, you know, uh, try to make the best decision for him um, and, and let him, let him make that decision, what he wants to do in his, in his path and then uh, help him the best I can and help our team too, you know? So if he, if he decides to go up, we'll, we'll, uh, we need a quality representative at 92 and there's some good guys out there and we'll do everything we can to help them get better and, and let them decide it, you know, amongst themselves, who's the best guy. Fair enough. Um, and trials process. I know Klingman said he had a couple questions. He wanted to ask you about the trials process. Yeah. Just wondering how that's going to happen. I know from last year, a lot of people were confused by it. And I don't know if you get on the inside of what that confusion is, but even people in Coralville that were diehard fans said, you know what, Kyle, I didn't show up. I really didn't know what was happening. So you have a U.S. Open trials process, Final X. Any thoughts on cleaning that up and making it more of a, a straight line process? Yeah, yeah, we're we're actually in process of that now, and it's you know there's a lot a lot to um, creating a trials process, and and this year um, even more because the year prior to the Olympic Games has bearing on the Olympic trials process, so the USOPC has a stake in that um, approvals. So, um, yeah, uh, there's been a lot of thought into streamlining. Um, it, it just gets really complex when you're trying to create a process that incentivizes the characteristics you want in your team. So when you talk about, you know, we, we mentioned 2010 and we had no medals and now we have this uh, proven performer reward if you're a, if you're the incumbent medal at a weight, you get to sit out to final X. And then, but you have to have an open process for others to, to come through and identify themselves to, to be, you know, and, uh, and that needs to be fair and open. And so um, it gets pretty complicated, but when you, when you start to streamline and reduce the number of competitions, um, you still have to maintain the open inclusiveness. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're in the midst of that right now and it goes through several levels of approvals and, and I think we're coming up with a very good process though. When do you think they'll be done? Really I, settled? Think, um, I think at the latest early in 23, it will be announced if not sooner, but I would say by the latest early in 23, it will be, announced um so so it's abundantly clear you know people will have time to read through it digest it understand what what okay i want to make the team this is how i do it 
coaches, clubs, everybody can can look at it. And they've they've all looked at it because it's it's had several rounds of uh edit to it already. Like we put it out, hey, this is um this is the feedback we've gotten from everybody, from the from the athletes, from the coaches, from the clubs. This is what you guys have suggested. This is how we see it fits in line with uh you know our mission. And so yeah, I think by the you know, if not sooner, probably early in 23. Sounds good. And then uh, Kyle, Kyle Kleeman's also got a little game we like to play. He's going to throw some questions at you and try to stump you here, Bill. That's probably like not to too stump hard. You. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am curious, though, who's going to be at the World Cup for the Americans? Have you decided on who will be there? Are we going to see our best stars at the World Cup coming up? We're, we're getting close. We're getting close. We don't have a team finalized yet, but we're pretty close. What does that mean? Are we gonna? <laughs> that that means that we're pretty close, we... but we're not <laughs> announcing it today. Okay. All right. All right. You ready to play our game, Bill? I'm ready. You played it once before. It's called "Sweat It Out." Five questions, hoping to make you sweat. Here we go. Number one: What Great Falls, Montana native officially made the 2008 Olympic wrestling team hours be- before the start of the men's freestyle competition? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, that's a pretty tough one. Yeah. Obviously my brother, it was a pretty cool deal. Mike Zadick, you got it. I mean, Kyle, they're going to get a little tougher than this, right? Yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was kind of being a little bit humble that you, you'd be easily stumping me, but if you make them too easy, I'm going to get insulted that you think I'm that <laughs> yeah, dumb. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, number two, Three Montana natives represented the United States at the 2021 Olympic Games. Name one. Three Montana natives? Yep. I couldn't name one of them. <laughs> I'm stumped. You're talking, you're talking smack about the first question and then. Yeah, well, you know, I, I didn't watch. I don't pay attention to much outside of wrestling. Okay. But let so, me, let me think. Um, I know in sixteen the... there was a there was a gal from Whitefish that played rugby sevens. I don't know if she was on the team in twenty. Uh, I'm trying to think of her name. She actually came up to me in Rio because she wanted to get involved in in some wrestling. So I got her connected with Terry, and I don't I don't know that she ever did. But who who are they? Allie Weiss Rifle Buttes Nick Moore of Rifle. Oh yeah, pistol. I, yeah I know yeah. I I should have known that Nick. Nick Moore is a shooter. He lives here in Colorado Springs. He's a Butte native. Yeah, I know him. He's a good dude. Okay. And Whitefish is Nicole Heverland. Heverland? Nicole Heverland. Yeah, did she play yeah. rugby sevens? She's she's women's rugby. Yeah, that's yeah. her. That's a gal. So go. she was on the team in 16, too. I didn't know that she was on the 20 team. In there Tokyo, you, you know, everything was pretty isolated, right? We never oh, yeah. did go to the village. You know, our our venue was... Like, well, with the stripped down Olympics the way it was um, with COVID, we were an hour and 40 minutes outside of the village. If they would have been a fully attended by fans, they said that transportation, it would have put us like almost three hours from the village. So our advanced plan was to never be in the village just because logistically it was not, didn't make any sense. 
So you kind of miss out. That's some of the experience that the athletes missed out was a little bit of that interaction, but obviously they performed well and, and uh, it was a good thing for us, but yeah. So I, so do I kind of get partial credit? It's like, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. I mean, he, he got right I there. I'll give him a half a point. We'll give him like a maybe half. Half yeah, a I half. thought I was wrong, but on further review, I was right all along. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Right there. You're, you're right there. Half, and then if we'll we'll come to the end here. You get your number back. three. What decathlete grew up in Mo- Missoula, Montana, Montana, and was a 1988 Olympic in Seoul before winning a bronze medal in the '92 Olympic Games? Uh, was it? Uh, it was the Dan and Dave campaign. Dave O'Brien and Dan O'Brien and uh, Dave Johnson. Yep. You got it. Dang. It's 100% point. That's a full point there. That was huge. I remember that. Dan and Dave, Dan and Dave, Dan and Dave. And yeah, then one of them yeah, yeah. messed up on the pole. One of them ended up not making the team, and then the other one, yeah. It was a huge campaign. Huge. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. yeah. Number four, name the Olympian who grew up in the ranches near Ashland, Mile City, and Lavina and made Olympic rowing teams Endo in Cross. And... No, no, it's not. Or Olympic rowing. Oh, you know, you know, Kendall Cross was born in Mile City, Montana. Yeah, I did not know that. Most, Kyle, most you knew people that? don't know that. Most people don't I know that. that. He was, he was last born time. raised in. Yeah. He he was. I think he moved to Oklahoma when he was like nine or ten years old. So when you said Mile City, I was like, oh, Kendall. Yeah, Kyle knows. No, everything. this is Ashland, Mile City, Lavina, and made Olympic rowing teams in '96 and 2000. Oh dang! Yeah, that's. You, you, I'm stumped on that one. You got me. Okay, Monica Trinnell. Yep. Haven't run across Monica. All right. And then number five, what former D1 NCAA wrestling champion is currently a club coach in Belgrade, Montana? Alan Freed. Yep. Got oh. it. Three and, and a half. Three and a half. We'll give him three and a half. Three and a half out of five. Okay. So what's that? It's like a B plus or something. Yeah, he, he passed. Um, <laughs> you got pass. Hey, how would you feel? Or I guess you wouldn't be able to really do anything. But like, you know, the way that they promoted this Dan and Dave, right? You know, and yeah. they, Simone Biles and and uh, the swimmer. His name's escaping me. Who's the swimmer? Michael Phelps. Yeah, you know, would you like it if they if they were promoting a, a wrestler like that, or you kind of prefer like? No, I prefer just that leave them alone that way. You know, that's a lot of pressure to carry. Yeah, but it's it also is. a lot. It's really good um, yeah, for the sport. So it's kind it, of a. It's definitely, catch. it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, but, I mean, I, I think you know, we got to have any sport that gets to the next level has a transcendent athlete, right? And, and we have a we maybe Jordan is that guy, maybe maybe one of our uh, women's athletes is that person um so if we want to get to that next level you know and what does that mean what does the next level mean i I don't know i mean everybody always wants more money involved and everybody wants to earn more and you know i think growing our sport to where we have more opportunity it would be my my uh, spin on that more weight classes included you know if we could get to a place where we have 10 across the board I think that would be amazing. Um, that becomes a financial uh, thing that's, you know, 
can we go to the IOC and say, hey, when when David Taylor and and Yazdani are on this mat for this six minutes, there are going to be eight million people in the world watching. They're going to tune in right here. Or when, you know, Sidikov and Dake or Sajalayev and Snyder or whatever that matchup is, right? And so do we need a transcendent athlete to to kind of get us to that next level to do that? You know, probably we do, I guess. But from a, you know, from a personal standpoint, yeah, I'm a coach and I'm I'm trying to get these guys to win every match that they wrestle. And so, um, you know, that you have to balance that. And, and that, that's a tricky thing. That's a hard thing when you have, you know, that kind of um, promotion and, and really it's the money in, in the, you know, it's the time at time it it's becomes a distraction. So can can you manage that? Yeah. So just to, hey, yeah. just to follow up on that bill, I don't know if you remember this, but in 2000, Joe Williams was on a McDonald's commercial and then Brandon Slay made the team. And yeah. I remember him saying that that was something that motivated him going into Oh four, but it was just what you're talking about. Maybe a little bit of a distraction because they had a McDonald's Olympic commercial before he made the team. And Joe yeah. Williams getting his hand raised, and then Slay makes the team. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's happened. You know, it's happened before and since. And um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's some marketing geniuses and broadcasting people and business people that probably have better ideas than I do. But um, I, I would sure like to see whatever it takes for us to whatever the markers are that the powers that be make those decisions, right? The IOC makes those decisions on what advancement or growth in the Olympic program, whether it's new and innovative sports or a sport like swimming that's been around forever that applies for new events and gets more every time. How do we get in that club? How do we get into the position where we can go to them and say, um, well, we need, we need, we need 30 weights, we need 30 weights across the board. You know, is that scaling back to a single bronze at every weight class? And we get, you know, I think it's more than that, right? I mean, that's a that seems like an easy fix, but I think it's more than that. But, you know, whether it's this promotional um, suggestion that you're making, Mark, I think is probably a piece of it uh, to, to get to where you can prove to them, yeah, this – financially pencils this is this is um culturally and financially relevant to the to the world that when these people are on the mat you know when adeline gray and uh rotter are wrestling or helen marulis and the japanese gal or kyle snyder and sagalive or whomever it may be neon lopez and Kialop are on this mat, this many million people are watching. And, you know, right now, that many million people, you know, do, do they know about those people? Does the world know about those people? Right now, man, if we can't grow our sport right now with the personalities and the stars that we have, then, you know, we we should be working hard at it. I, I I don't know what I can do because I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not genius, but we got some great personalities right now. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, it's it's um, it's a tricky thing on our end, right? Because we're clearly yeah. in the in the business of promotion, and and we are going to talk about these guys a lot and like put it out there because we want people to pay attention. And Zane even mentioned, I, I don't know, he wasn't upset with us or anything, but he's like, yeah, you know, I, I really felt it, and especially in an event like Final X where it's it's real easy to market. You just have two people and you talk about right. the match, what could happen, what has happened in the past. Um, but it, it's, I'm sure they don't always love all that attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the balance, right? The, the balance of invasiveness and distraction to the individual athlete and their performance versus the promotion and, and you and I have had discussions before, right? I don't think those sure. things are mutually exclusive, promotion and performance. Um, but I do think it 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 doesn't happen overnight. It takes some planning. Um, you know, even UWW in the back of the house, warm-up type area, you know, if there was like a marketing plan on like, hey, this camera crew is going to be wandering, roaming, they're going to be filming you warming up and stuff like that, but we're going to keep a, a you know – a reasonable distance and they're not going to be like putting a camera two feet in front of your face while you're trying to shoot double eggs. Um, you know, it's probably part and parcel of all of it, right. Is just coming up with a, a game plan and a strategy and then executing on that and seeing, seeing what it produces. I mean, I'm, I'm super biased because I love wrestling, but I think it's interesting. And I think, if we could tell the stories, right. Maybe not everybody's going to fall in love with uh, the technical things like I do, like, you know, I can mm -hmm. sit and watch wrestling and analyze technique. But if we tell these personal interest stories, this behind the scenes stuff, like, you know, guys and gals walking down the street to, you know, find fresh fruit or fresh produce at the market when they're getting ready to compete. Cause you know, everybody can kind of, relate to that kind of stuff right and in, in uh in you know I don't, I don't know i don't know um just just some ideas but but i think we got some great stories to tell and i think um we have very relatable people with great character um in all styles and and i think we have a very good product and and one of i guess last thing i'll say is one of the things I feel like we're we're too willing to take the crumbs of what's left, and we it's like we're apologizing for our sport all the time. And I'm I'm and this I'm not passing any blame on anybody. I just feel like we need to go on the offensive, like let's get aggressive, let's go after it, let's let's show the world instead of apologizing and taking what's left over. Let's 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 go on the offensive and get after this thing and show the world. Yeah, you know, and MMA's helped us, right? UFC's For sure. given a ton of credibility to wrestling specifically in the combatives world. Like it is it is by far the best base combative to have. And in uh we need we need more of we need more of that. We need sure. more of that. Absolutely. You you talk about all these great stories. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pry. I might get shut down, but can you give me a hint of one of these things you were talking about? Earlier, you said if you could see what goes on behind the scenes, it would blow your you mind. You know, like I said, it's it's not my it's not my story to tell, right? I'm I'm involved. I'm part of it, but um, I've I've probably given you enough already. Just ask them. I think if you ask them, they'll tell you. Okay. You know, and if they don't want to, they don't want to. But you know, um, 
Yeah. I mean, you you know who they are, right? You know them all. So yeah. I think yes. if you get them on and start talking, they they might tell the stories. All right. Kyle? Well, Bill, real, yeah, yeah, real quick, Bill, I know that you're talking about Olympic promotion. You were raking in the cash in 2005. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were just, you were rolling in it. Yeah, I was dang near drowning in cash in my little dorm room over here at the training center. <laughs> yeah. What'd yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot more, right? There's a lot more resources in, in these athletes. NIL is going to, you know, that's, we're getting into a whole nother realm of conversation, but that's, that's changing our world quickly. And we don't even know what that's going to look like, but that, I mean, it, it'll sift itself out and it'll figure it out. This promotional thing and growing our sport, it's still going to be there because we NIL, this, whatever happens there, we still have great athletes. We have great coaches. We have great stories and, and people I think will, will enjoy it. All right, we gotta figure. We gotta get to figuring out what these stories are. Um, you're keeping them in the vault. I understand, but I'm, I'm always gonna try to pry. We can we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, Bill, it's been dang dang near almost been an hour now. So we're gonna let you get on with your day and, and move on. But we'll give you the final word to say anything you might want to say about anything. Oh, I I've probably said it all. I appreciate you guys having us on. Keep promoting our sport. Keep telling the great stories. Do that in good investigative work and find them. There, there, there's some cool stuff out there. All right, we'll start digging. Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great day, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you. All right, folks. Bill Zadick, two-time team champion, coach, world championships, Team USA. Um, yeah, great conversation, Kyle. Closing thoughts? I like that you tried to pry. You tried one last shot to get what the behind-the-scenes stories are. You really tried to. I wanted to see who the World Cup team was going to be, but he wouldn't go there. But as always, Bill entertains. He's a good dude. Yeah. Great show. Glad to have him uh, as a guest in chat today. That's going to do it. So for Kyle Klingman, I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you next time.